I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to the final part of Indiana Mania. So, on Monday, we went crusading with Indy and his dad to find the holiest of grails. And today, we're off on a jaunt with Indy and his son to meet some actual aliens in an Indiana Jones movie. But is it as bad as we all remember, or is it time to have a rethink about 2008's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from a mythical lost city in the Amazon. Supposedly built out of solid gold, guarded by the living dead. Whoever returns the skull to the city temple will be given control over its power. You will help us find it. At the end of the show, we will declare which is the greatest Indiana Jones movie of all time, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. You fight like a young man, eager to begin, quick to finish. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. Chris Tilly. Oh, here we are then. Looking lovely, both of you. Excited. Part four of four of Indiana Mania. Are you ready to declare your winner at the end of the show? Or do you think there is a chance you could be swayed by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the next hour? That's not going to be an hour. There's always a chance. (laughs) Okay, good. I love the fact that you will not let the Jeopardy card go, (laughs) even at this stage. Do you think anyone's ever watched The Crystal Skull more than once? Honest question. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We have. I mean, yeah, but it's like we've got to. Right. Just for pleasure. Yeah, I think so. I okay. think I think it's one of those movies that people have revisited for exactly the reason we revisited it, which is to sort of go... Do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, to go, is it is it as bad? Okay. Or was I just... Was, was, I, was I just in a bad mood? Was I expecting too much yes. from an Indiana Jones movie? And, you know, now that is the, the hype, yeah. hype has died down, is it is it actually not as bad as all that? 
Uh, I have some thoughts on that. Um, very quickly, though, before we get into this, if you haven't subscribed to us already, please do so uh, on Apple, Spotify, or indeed wherever you get your pods. Uh, it's massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you do have time to leave us a rating and need a review, that would be awesome too. And if you do leave us a review, you might have it read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds like this. Uh, this review comes from HTC55, mm. uh, and it's entitled Two Weeks. Uh, and HTC says, uh, <laughs> You really can't do that woman. Two weeks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Two weeks. Do you remember when you did it outside the pool? But I looked at them, I was like, What? And you were like, That's from Total Rewind. I was like, I don't think it is. <laughs> if you have to say where it's from, it's not a good impression. I don't do impressions. Uh, HTC says, Binge listen to this in two weeks, which worked out well for this cleverly timed Total Recall joke. Brilliant podcast. Love the nostalgia. Love the different opinions. Love screaming at my phone when you clearly get the Clash winner wrong. <laughs> Uh, on a separate note, Clue is the best movie ever, which is also, in my opinion, Tim Curry's greatest role, and that completes the obligatory Tim Curry Yay, reference. Yay, meta, meta, meta. Oh, <laughs> so much going on there. Uh, right, the other thing Chris asked you to do uh, on our Twitter account, we are at ClashPod, and indeed on Instagram, at ClashPod, was what? Write in with your memories of watching Indiana Jones movies and also tell us which one is your favourite, mm. which we got a lot for the first three films. We didn't get many for these. No, none of these are good. Uh, Dino <laughs> says, I've only ever seen The Crystal Skull once because my mate loves Indy and he didn't want to go to the cinema alone. It was dog shit. <laughs> he was devastated. We've never gone to the cinema together since. <laughs> Okay. That's what this movie can do. Um, David Allen. Now, I've just scan read this and I do have some notes. Um, <laughs> is that why you put it in? I wonder why I gave it to Vicky. <laughs> Did so, you not check this I mean, before? you should have read this in advance, <laughs> no, I didn't. really. Okay, this is going to be good. Oh. So, David, if you're listening, uh, David says, my memory of the fourth film is when I went on a date with a girl. Uh, she expected me to pay for everything, which was fine. Doesn't sound fine. But she filled her pick and mix bag with so much sweets, the cost of them came to the more than the film's budget. So it sounds like it went with me straight away I was annoyed we sat down it sounds like I went with you <laughs> we sat down she hit my hand away and I tried to take some sweets good for her strike two she moaned all the way through eventually she said this is shit and walked out expecting me to go but I was enjoying it and plus strike three I never saw her again so David little note if you pay for a girl's sweets she doesn't have to have sex with you <laughs> take it from me but she should let you have some of the yeah. sweets yeah 100%, I don't, I don't yeah. think he's saying that <laughs> yeah. yeah this is the problem you put in words yeah, we're going to get sued for this. Apologies, David. Sorry, David. I mean, yeah, that, that is unfair. Mm. But it's, it's very difficult with pick and mix because unless you get two of everything, everything is precious. Mm. So you're going to put your hand in there and get what? The chocolate mouse? I don't think so because I've just got one and I want it. <laughs> so... So you are this woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, from Chris Knowles, uh, he says, went to see King and the Crystal Skull at the cinema, nudged my friend at one point and whispered, janitor from Scrubs. He nodded. Other than that, the movie is utter shit. <laughs> I know. That's what we got, really. I was so clutching at straws. I was like, I'll mention the janitor from Scrubs. And then I read that. I was like, well, that's taken that away from me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's do this. So... On Monday, Chris had his last crusade. So today, I'm lucky enough to be asking the question, is this movie as bad as all that? I mean, really? Nobody say a word. Let me take you on a journey. Indiana Jones is back. But he's older, but not so old that he can't run through a warehouse chased by a bunch of Russians who need his help finding an alien body. Not so old he can't swing from light fittings as gunfire erupts all around him. And certainly not so old he can't survive a nuclear blast by hiding in a fridge. Much to the amusement 
of some comedy gophers because Caddyshack was funny, right? Anyway, unimpressed with his commie helping antics, the university fires him. But before he can run off to Europe or something, a Marlon Brando impersonator shows up called Mutt, demanding Indy help his mum and Ox, the latter ensuring Mutt isn't the only one with a stupid name. Arriving in the Amazon, it turns out Mum is Marion Ravenwood and Mutt is Indy's son. Cue absolute shock from literally no one. Also, Mac is there, who is not, but is, but isn't a double agent, but is, but he isn't, though. Anyway, turns out the Marlon Brando impersonator also does a good Tarzan. And before you can say, so wait, Indy survived a nuclear blast in a fridge? Mutt is swinging through the trees with his new monkey pals. (laughs) Anyway, Indy, Marion, Mutt, Mac and Ox get to Akatar. There's an alien in an indie movie. Kate Blanchett's eyes catch fire. Uh, seemingly Ray Winston's only purpose in this movie is to occasionally shout, Jonesy! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, what are your histories with this movie? Chris? I flew to Cannes and I thought I was going there to see it at the world premiere, but I wasn't. Uh, they wouldn't let me see it, hmm. um, but I was interviewing the cast. So it was a big deal. It was very exciting. I hadn't interviewed Harrison Ford before, and mm. I was excited, also a bit nervous, because he's famously not the easiest sometimes is in those he, situations. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I'm talking about it. It's, it hurts too much. So the interview happened quite early in the morning, and um, they were all very happy because the early reviews were good mm. good to great um, and the, the premiere had gone well I think they'd all drunk quite a lot and it was just the jolliest junket I think I've been to Ray Winston was there Jim Broadbent John Hurt Kate Blanchett Harrison Ford and they were all a joy and then the, the final person I interviewed that day was Shia LaBeouf and I walked out halfway through the interview <laughs> why? he was being such a dick he was being so difficult. One word answers, just sneering at me, basically. And so when the woman's... It, was a, it wasn't a long interview. I had five minutes, I think. And she said, you've got three minutes left. And I just shook my head Fuck and walked it. out. <laughs> she went, what? Yeah, don't and then need I, it. I got back to my hotel and was thinking, oh, no, am I going to be in trouble here because I'm representing my company and like that's not very professional? No. But I just had what I needed. And I thought, if you can't be asked <laughs> to play this game, I'm not going to play it. So that's, I'm getting out of and here. And that's what you say. I just... I mean, I had what I needed. So I, it, was, it would have been a waste of his time as much had, as mine I had, no I had what I needed from everyone else <laughs> I had bugger all for him we weren't going to use anything so yeah that was my experience and then I came back to London and I didn't go to the press screening because I wanted to go and watch this with my brother so I waited for it to come out and we went to the same cinema we watched Last Crusade at the Odeon Leicester Square and I mean it was just a bit of a shrug really at the end we were just a bit a little bit disappointed a bit sad but I will say that I, at the time I wasn't as annoyed about the things that everyone else was in terms of the fridge and the aliens mm. it was other stuff that annoyed me at the time and mm. I'll talk about how I feel now okay during this podcast okay that must that's re- that doubly sucks because obviously there's a massive amount of hype about this movie before it comes out mm. but then you get the extra hype of meeting the cast them all being over the moon reading the reviews in Cannes and yeah. then seeing it yeah yeah Jeez. I was super excited sitting in that seat and it was I just remember it being a weird feeling between me and my brother walking out not really sure what to say it was just oh, that's, that's a shame mm. V 
uh, a big cinema trip to the big cinema in Leicester Square with Mark. Um, I made him buy me about £8.50 worth of pick and mix. He didn't let him have any. He tried to steal my fizzy yeah. cola bottles. And so I withheld sex from him for maybe <laughs> two weeks. Why is pick and mix and sex so connected in Vicky's world? I don't know, but I'm not going to enjoy pick and mixing ever for a while. I'm not going near a fizzy cola bottles. <laughs> or a chocolate mouse. Oh, come oh, on. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah, ruin that <laughs> more to cut out this week. No, yeah, a big cinema trip, and obviously expectations just through the roof, which doesn't help. Um, I'll say no more. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you enjoy it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I went to see a press screening of this. Uh, I was very excited, like everyone else, and then I came out, and I was more confused than disappointed. I was a bit confused. I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about what I just saw. Uh, but then the confusion dissipated into utter ecstasy because I had a guest on my breakfast show on XFM from the movie, one of the cast, and it was none other than Karen Allen, mm. Marion Ravenwood, and genuinely, she is one of the nicest mm. people I've ever interviewed. She was absolutely lovely, although she kept going, it's so weird looking at you because you just look exactly like Shire. And I never considered that I looked in any way like Shia the Buff whatsoever, no. but she was convinced that I was the spitting image of Shia. Well, she... you've got that motorcycle though, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah. And I got my monkey friends. Monkey I, friends. I, I, felt, I felt pretty starstruck when I met her. Mm. In one of those where I wasn't expected to be star. With, with Harrison Ford, I knew I was going to be a little bit starstruck when I sat down with him. But with her, it was, it was like a out-of-body experience. It was just like... From my childhood. Mm. How did you get in this room? Well, it's because she sort of she doesn't do that much, and so therefore there was that gap, like where you see mm. a lot of people on the circuit a lot. She was like Marion mm. Ravenwood in, in Raiders, and then here she is now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I watched. I've watched it one more time between this watch and then uh, on DVD to sort of like understand my confusion, and then I was disappointed, and then we are here mm. where. It was time for a reappraisal potentially. So, would you like to know a little bit about the history of this movie? Last Crusade uh, felt like the final movie of the franchise, as Chris said, on Monday, Indy and Co. ride off into the sunset. And despite apparently, and I, again, you know, there's so many bits and pieces all over the internet about this, but apparently uh, Lucas and Spielberg had talked about a five-picture deal. You've yeah, seen that's not this. true. Yeah, I have. That's not, that's true, not true because because mm. we've heard them and seen them say over and over again it was a three-picture three deal. Yeah. So... so uh, we know the truth because we've seen it, so that's bull. I only mention that because Lucas was considering, after Last Crusade, the idea of a fourth movie, but he didn't have any ideas whatsoever. Uh, so he went off and made the, young, the Chronicles of uh, Young Indiana Jones as a TV show. And then in around 1992, I think it was, maybe a little bit later, Harrison Ford cameos on the Chronicles of Young Indiana Jones. Have you watched that? It's on YouTube. You can actually... It's sort of weird seeing Indiana Jones in something else. I saw it at the time, but mm. isn't it just his voice? Or do no, you no, see, no, you he's in him. it. He's in a prologue and an epilogue to mm. an episode that charts his time as a waiter in 1920s uh, New York or Chicago, I think. But yeah, he's great. He has a chase in the snow. He's still indie. It's great. He sort of looks slightly different. I don't know, his hair's longer or something. He doesn't look like the indie we know, but it is Harrison Ford in it. Anyway, this starts Lucas's brain going, and he's like, actually, this air bit, this prologue is set in the 1950s. Indie in the 50s. I think I might want to make 
an Indiana Jones movie set in the 50s that is a, a love letter to those B-movies of the 50s involving science fiction. So he starts coming this, up with this pitch for a, a sci-fi-inspired 1950s set Indiana Jones movie. He pitches this sci-fi movie with aliens in it to Spielberg and Ford, and Ford's quote is, no way am I being in a Steven Spielberg movie like that. Nevertheless... Lucas presses on. He gets the fugitive writer, Jeb Stewart, to work on this script uh, at that point called Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. Oh, okay. Mm. Suddenly, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Yeah. Suddenly, Indiana Jones and the Monkey King sounds like a great sounds idea. Right, doesn't it? At this stage, there's a lot that makes it into the final script that we see on screen. Uh, even though this is the 90s at the moment, uh, Indy's getting married at the end, but in Stewart's version, Indy married another woman. Karen Allen only appears as Marion Wavenwood in a cameo at the end, uh, but also at the end were Short Round, Salah, and Henry Jones Sr. Uh, then, our old friend Jeffrey Bohm. The last crusade, Jeff Bomb. He has a go, um, but at this point, things are further scuppered by Ford, uh, literally stamping his foot and going, "I'm not doing Indiana Jones with aliens." And also, Spielberg has now moved into more serious filmmaking. He's got Schindler's List. He's got Saving Private Ryan, and the real nail in the coffin is Independence Day comes out. And so Spielberg says to Lucas, he's not doing an alien invasion movie with Indiana Jones because Independence Day. So Lucas goes off to do his wonderful Star Wars prequels. Then around 2000, it's Ford who suddenly, just out of the blue, it seems almost, has this change of heart and goes, you know what? There's a huge fan base out there. I want to do another indie movie. And Spielberg says of this, Harrison called me and said, why don't we make another one of these pictures? There's a fan base out there that wants it. Steven Spielberg says he was tenacious. He called George and George got to thinking about it. And then George called me and said, well, Steve, what do you want to do? It could be fun to make another movie. And also. George Lucas had seemingly found a way to get aliens in in a, uh, a format that satisfied Ford and Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg says, George came to me one day and said, you know, you might be right about this alien thing. Maybe we shouldn't do aliens. There's too much of that stuff around. They're interdimensional beings. Very mm. different. Mm. They're not extraterrestrials. They're interdimensional. Nailed it. And yeah. So Spielberg goes, I, do you know what? At this point, fine. Um, what do they look like, George? And George goes, they look like aliens. Mm. Mm. They do have a ship. But let's, yeah. <laughs> so now uh, things are moving. M. Night Shyamalan comes on board uh, for very little time at all. He leaves quickly um, because he says he can't write uh, a script. He felt too much pressure writing a script for his childhood hero. Well, he told me, I spoke to him about this. Oh, okay. Kind of not in an interview situation, mm. but not off the record, I don't think. I think it's fair to say what he said. Um, he just said there were elements that they wanted in the film that he was very worried about writing into his Indiana Jones script because he wasn't, he wasn't um, happy with them. And he said, I just know that when the film comes out, everyone will blame me for these bits and these bits aren't my bits. Hmm. And so he just said it was better to walk away than become the person that ruined Indiana Jones. Wow. And I think he was alluding to Aliens Bridges. Then, and I know you've got thoughts on this, Chris, mm. then the Frank Darabont script uh, comes along. Frank Darabont uh, joins and does a rewrite. Uh, he spends about a year working on the script. Uh, it's got a fantastic name, Indiana Jones 
and the City of Gods. Yes. That's a great name. That's awesome. That's a great name. So this is a good script. You can find this script online. You can read it. I suggest you do. It's not amazing because it's still got bloody aliens in it and the fridge being nuked. Um, but it's ex-Nazis hiding out in South America on Indy's trail. Indy's character is written loads better. And most importantly, there's no mutt, but there is Marion Ravenwood. But the Marion Ravenwood in Frank Darabont's script is the Marion Ravenwood we know from Raiders, mm. not whatever fucking lobotomized version of Marion Ravenwood we get in the final Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, what have you got? Any notes on the uh, Darabont script? Yeah, scripts? I read that script. Um, there's some Great, stuff I really liked in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's different is is uh, Area 51 at the start. There's a deal happening there for plutonium. That's what's going on. Um, I like the stuff. He talks to Brody's statue while drunk. And I found that quite a moving moment when he's lost his job. Mm. And there's a display case at the university with the antiquities that he's pre- we've previously seen him get in other films. And pissed up, he decides he wants to take them uh, because he's lost his job. And so the idol from Rage of the Lost Ark is on a pressure sensitive pad. Oh, wow. And so he empties some sand from an ashtray <laughs> into a bag to try and do it and he Brilliant. screws it up again. Um, and the, the alarm goes off. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, I really like the fact that Marion is happily married to mm. someone else and is not interested in Indy until it turns out that her husband is actually a Russian spy. Cool. And that's how eventually she ends up with Indy at the end. And Although, because, you know, Lucas wanted his aliens in it, so there was no option to take them out. But the way Darabont does the climax with the aliens is so much better than what Mm. we get. And when we get to that part as we're going through the film, I'm going to read you some extracts from it because it's really good. There was just one joke as well I wanted to mention that when she's telling uh, Indy about her husband, Mm. um, she asked him, what about Willie? I heard you got together with... Uh, a woman called Willie, and he says that she moved to Hollywood and married some big shot director. <laughs> Which is nice. Yeah. It's nice. A bit meta. Uh, not everything in the Darabont script is great. Uh, there's a bit uh, where the alien at the end pauses, turning. Indy is shouldering the carbine, taking careful aim, finger on the trigger. He pulls it. Indy. Welcome to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that. I've got that written down. I've got that written down because oh, we can't do it because of Independence <laughs> Day. <laughs> and now we'll just thinking? use an Independence Day line. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, anyway, Spielberg loves Darabont's script. Lucas, however, does not. Um, uh, apparently, he doesn't like it because the aliens are really bad in the end. They're a villain, and he's not keen on that. He wants the aliens to be less villainous, and that's his major issue. They also explain themselves. We actually understand what the hell's going on, yep. which you don't in this in this final film version. Yeah, uh, and also the wedding at the end of Darabont's script, uh, Indy's dad is drunk singing Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fly me to the moon, no less. Very funny. Oh, funny. oh and he realises that Marion is the fortune and glory he was looking for mm. all along. Of course. Along. I like that. It is. It's really good. Uh, Darabont says about this, I spent over a year working nonstop on that, developing the script with Stephen. Uh, Consequently, a very interesting and disappointing experience to have Stephen think I got it right and George not. So we move on from there. Catch Me If You Can's Jeff, uh, Jeff Nathanson works on it. It's him and Lucas that come up with the character of Mutt, Indy's son, initially going to be a daughter, but Spielberg had done that in The Lost World, so he said no. Uh, Nathanson eventually gets a story credit before Jurassic Park's David Coop turns it into what we see on screen, gets the sole screenwriting credit with, however, one of them, them uh, Lawrence Kasdan, doing some uncredited work on Indian Marian dialogue 
which I think is kind of obvious because it's some of the best bits in mm. the script. Yep. Yes. Agreed. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Don't worry, you'll have ample time. <laughs> uh, very, very quickly, last bit about the casting. Connery was offered... Uh, to reprise his role as uh, Henry Jones Sr. He turned it down because initially he said uh, he was enjoying retirement uh, too much, but then later said the part wasn't big enough. It was not that generous a part worth getting back into the harness and going for. So he said no. Uh, ditto John Reese davis Salah, who said his character deserved a more substantial role. Basically, they were both just going to cameo at the end in the wedding scene. Shall we go through this movie or any more for any more? No, nah, do it. All right, then. The Paramount logo mm. turns into a gopher mound. Mm. I've just been checking this. I think I don't think they're gophers. I think they're prairie dogs. Yeah, but everyone calls them gophers. Oh. It's much easier. I thought they were gophers, but I know nothing about animals. They probably are prairie dogs, but the, uh, the, the colloquial thing is gopher. Okay. Great. I'm calling them gophers, Chris. All right, Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> uh, it's 1957, 19 years after the events of The Last Crusade and... This movie was literally released 19 years after The Last Crusade. Right. So, double whammy. Uh, let's get it out of the way. The film opens with the Paramount logo, transforming for the fourth time into a gopher mound. Fine. No problem with that. CGI gophers. What the hell? Do you like these gophers? Anyone? No. No. <laughs> no. What on and earth? When they keep coming back. Oh. So, someone thought it was funny. Someone's like, can you get the gophers in again, please? Just retire it. What, what, at what point... For example, when they're shooting down that track on a rocket sled, do you go, do you know what? A rocket sled mm. is not impressive enough at this stage. Uh, we need uh, uh, we need to see the gopher reaction. Yeah, What's the gopher reaction? Let's this with some gopher reaction. Unbelievable. It, I think it's a sign of what's to come, isn't it? If the, if there's there's a broad humour happening here that doesn't yeah. feel It's doesn't tonally feel right. off. This, yeah. is, this is your first clue that tonally this movie is not Indiana Jones. Uh, Spielberg, this is his quote. The gopher was good. I have the standard one at home. So there's your answer. Fine. Spielberg is a fan of these gophers. Uh, then we get this 50 soundtrack kicking in, Elvis, um, and a car chase between a hot rod, because it's the 50s, and some Russians masquerading Amer as Americans. I mean, fine, it's not badly shot. I like it. Uh, but it, it looks great, why but it, it comes there? to nothing. Where does it happen? Exactly. Why do they not? They, you know, they the, the kids in the car realise what's going on and then they have to kill them mm. or they drive off the edge of a cliff or whatever. It just comes to nothing. Yeah. The kids come back, don't they? Aren't those, aren't those the nope. kids in the diner later? No, I don't oh, think okay. so. I don't think so. Like and also, it's it, 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 it just feels like it's like we need to really let people know it's the 50s. Yeah. You mm. said it's, I literally read 1957 on the yeah. screen. Mm. We get what it. are you doing? Um, uh, then we do get our first cool moment. So there are still moments in this movie, and it should be said there are moments that are very cool. Uh, Dovchenko, the Russian captain, dropping to his knees to reveal all his guards behind yeah, him who've gone awesome. down the centuries. <laughs> yeah. Fucking sick. Yeah, brilliant. So good. Love that. Um, not as much as I like the hat appearing first and then the classic <laughs> indie silhouette. I mean, that's a hit mark. That's a yeah, hit but point. you're allowed it because we've been waiting for years. I think it's a, I think it's a mistake to keep repeating, like trying to draw on the well of goodwill you have towards that character, which they do towards the end a lot. But when he's here and all you're seeing is a hat, obviously everyone in the cinema was like, like yay, here he is. <laughs> he gets a more heroic introduction in the Darabont script. Yeah, he does. And and here uh, in the behind the scenes, Spielberg says, well, George suggested, why don't we introduce him by him? being in a boot of a car. Mm. And Spielberg just says, so I went with it because George says it. 
And he says that a lot in the behind the scenes Spielberg does. It really makes me feel like they weren't on the same page and that Sp- Lucas was just throwing stuff at Spielberg and Spielberg was like, well, this is your one. So yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll mm. do that. And I didn't feel like Spielberg's heart was in a lot of this. That's interesting. I mean, I wonder if that's why he's it's James Mangold directing number five because he's he's actually legitimately going, I just, I didn't enjoy four. So mm. there you go. Have the reins. Um, I, I guess you could argue that it plays on the age thing. Like, you know, it's sort of, it sets up Indy as not the heroic guy that we know, the fact that he sort of dumped unceremoniously mm. out of the boot of a car, perhaps, but it's not a great intro and Frank Darabont's is better. We meet Mac. I love Ray Winstone, uh, mm. Winston, and at this point, I love Mac. Uh, I think he's a he's a great addition because uh, it's the first time uh, he's going to, of I think about seventeen times <laughs> he switches allegiances <laughs> in this movie. But right now he's great. A nice line about I bet you five hundred bucks, setting up the he's a bit of a gambler, and that's going to be his uh, crutch. And we meet our new. Enemy, uh, not the ex-Nazis or resurgent Nazis Darabont had in his script, but because of 1957, Spielberg and Lucas decided on Russians because of the Cold War. Not as good as Nazis, fundamentally. No. Yeah, but I, I guess they said they felt like they'd done Nazis to death. Fine. And so, I mean, it's the, ne- it's the next logical step. But they hadn't because in the Darabont script, this, I mean, the idea in the 1950s was you had these Nazis hiding out in South America and he makes it work in his script. So there is a way to make it work. It was Spielberg who didn't want to do it, though. Mm. I mean, I think he said after Schindler's List, he didn't want to make That's um, right. Nazis sort of fun. Yeah. So uh, Oscar winner Kate Blanchett <laughs> yeah. as Spalco. Um, now, I'm going to say this. There is no doubt Kate Blanchett is a brilliant, brilliant actress. She is fantastic. She is good in moments of this film. Yes. That accent is fine for literally every sentence. She gets 70% of the way through the sentence and then she just goes, and now English. (laughs) I felt like she was having a laugh. Yeah, me too. And she's such Uh, an accomplished actor that she would have studied. And there is a brilliant script moment where he, Indiana says to her, the way you're chewing those W's. No, he says W's. That's that's not good. (laughs) That's funny. Um, You're from a very specific part of Ukraine. And she's Mm. like, very good or whatever. And so he's like, okay, cool. So Ukraine, so that maybe the accent can be slightly more niche than we would be expecting. I wonder if she'd gone, Harrison. I really, I can't. I can't get, do I this. Can't get this fucking accent. <laughs> so if you say I'm very from a very specific part of the Ukraine, then <laughs> yeah. uh, then we'll get around this because it's it's great because she starts. She's like, "This is how it will work because I know things." <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> so weird. Um, I'm not hearing the accent because she looks so amazing in this film. Yeah, mm, yeah, she does. I just I don't find her a threat though in the way uh, Tot uh, was a threat in the first one or even Vogel. But she's another baddie that's one. not really a baddie. So if you mm. think, or no, rather, she's another baddie that he doesn't really hate, that mm. Indiana Jones doesn't really hate. So he doesn't really hate Belloc. Like they don't, you know, they don't see eye to eye on certain things, but there is an understanding and there is a respect. And he doesn't really hate Elsa Schneider because he understands why she does what she does. And with Irina, he kind of gets what she's up to. He doesn't agree with her methodology or her background. Mm. But then again, the communist thing is weird because when he's at the university, it's like the red panic. Like you're being fired because you have this even like close associate, or uh, sorry, a very glancing association with mm. communism. So you're gone because we're in McCarthy America. But it's weird, isn't it? Isn't it a bit late? Isn't 1957 sort of a little bit late for the full-blown McCarthys? And that was the 40s and early 50s. Okay, I, I, I don't so- know. I sort of feel... That by this point it wasn't it wasn't that um, 
that pronounced. Yeah. I just, I don't, maybe I just don't know enough, but I just don't see the link. Like, so red, the panic is bad, like, because Indiana Jones is forced out. Is communism bad because Arena Spalco is a baddie, mm. but the aliens mirror communism in some way because of this hive mind? <laughs> well, no, and, it's like... and also, if you're going to, I think the answer's there, that if you're going to do 1950 science fiction, the body snatchers was about communism. Yes. And because, so so why not introduce an element of body snatching happening mm. in this film? Like it would it would it would all connect then logically. Whereas it seems like the anti-communist stuff at the start seems like just it doesn't go anywhere because she the communist say angle to, doesn't she when she's talking to him with the big skull and she's like we will become you. So that's the the panic that the communists like you know the yeah. red yeah. under your bed enough, and all yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah. But then we're supposed to believe that the aliens were good in what they did because they shared their tech and they they gave us everything and they have this collective consciousness which is an underpinning of communism surely. So where are we on the axis of like, are they, it's a kid's film. Are they bad or good? Like we just need yes. to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, there is, there's one moment uh, that makes me sort of go, I, Kate Blanchett knows what she's doing, which yeah. is the wonderful bit in the jungle chase where she's finally got the skull and Indy's driving towards her in the truck and she just cradles it and holds it closer. Like she loves it more than anything else in the world. This sort of almost maternal thing yeah, for the skull. I, I don't have a problem with her accent because I just feel like she's having a right laugh. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, there are bigger problems to Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, we're in Area 51. Love it, the warehouse from the start, at uh, the end of Raiders, rather. Uh, the sequence is great. Magnetic gunpowder, Max's first betrayal works because, again, it was the first of 17. <laughs> Indy missing the swing onto the truck because he's older now. Damn, I thought that was closer. Uh, not his accent. Uh, <laughs> now, one change. We see the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. um, the actual original prop as well from the first movie, and which is great. And you sort of go, <gasps> and it attaches it to Raiders. Indy should see it. Yeah. That would be great if as he's running past out and he sort of does a double take, like he realises where it ended up. Yeah. It's a shame they didn't include that. But I love that. I think the action is great here. The camera work is mm. so fluid. Like they, this is this is the sequence where they're using modern technology in a way that works for the movie. And it, it, the, the, actually, I'm saying that I think there is a problem because I think the lighting's a bit off here. Um, they've tried to keep the same lighting from the earlier films, the, the new cinematographer, and that warm, glamorous sort of Hollywood gloss that those films had. But it makes it makes the warehouse look quite artificial. I think the way it's been lit, like you're quite aware that there is, that maybe those walls don't feel real around the back of it. So I think that's a bit off. Yeah. Well, we don't spend long there because jet engine, launching them out, more comedy gophers. Um, <laughs> uh, then we're into the big first conversation point, nuking the fridge. So Indy ends up in, in a fake town, which I swear, the Hills Have Eyes remake came out I think maybe two years earlier, and it features a fake town uh, where this guy comes goes looking for help, and then the mutants get him. And I was like, "It's just that." It's, it was too close. This was two years. Yeah, later. But, but the point is, it's not a made-up thing. This is a real mm. town that you know. This is what happened, and so he's just. I, I like the fact that he's. I feel like Spielberg is having a go at himself here, almost like there's a metaphor happen, a metaphor happening about blowing up the nuclear family a because perfect family, yeah. yeah, because that's his youth, that's his audience, that's his subject matter of all his films yeah. is is that family watching that TV, and also to see Indiana Jones in a kitchen is fun because you don't ever <laughs> see him in a domestic sphere. Like on a serious note, he's always grave robbing or whatever, or he's academic, but he's in a very fifties kitchen with the gadgets, and it's just that juxtaposition is quite refreshing. Mm. I mean, I'm going to come out and say it first. 
I have no problem with the nuking the fridge. Me neither. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's fun. It, I think it's great. I mean, who cares whether it could or could not happen? It's like on a par with jumping out of a fucking plane on a dinghy yeah, in Temple exactly. of Doom. Yeah. It's there's no difference. It's like, oh, unrealistic. It's like it's Indiana Jones. It's fine. Yeah. Sure, the comedy gopher at the end ruins it. Yes. It absolutely ruins it. But taken out, uh, taking that out of the equation, the nuke in the fridge totally no problem. Yeah, I the think fact no- that the blast is silent as well, which is obviously what it would be, but you know, you're kind of used to expecting a big boom, but you wouldn't hear that because you'd be in it. Mm. And just watching the mannequins like melt sideways mm. is brilliant. It's great. And I- we get that unbelievable shot of Indy silhouetted against the mushroom cloud as yeah, well, which is just a good like, one. Oh. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of the snark aimed at it was unfair if you're going to swallow the stuff that we've seen in the previous films. Yeah. But like I said, I saw an interview uh, recently with Spielberg where he says it was entirely his fault. Mm. Someone from the New York Times obviously saw that same interview and said that to Lucas and Lucas said, that's not true. He's trying to protect me. Yeah. It was all me. And apparently that it was Spielberg, it was Lucas's idea. And in response to Spielberg's fears, Lucas put together a whole nuking the fridge dossier. Mm. It was six inches thick. Mm. Um, Lucas said that if the refrigerator were lead lined and if Indy didn't break his neck when the fridge crashed to earth and if we were able to get the door open, he could in <laughs> fact survive. The odds of surviving that refrigerator from a lot of scientists are about 50-50. That's mm. what George Lucas said. Yeah, and they've actually, uh, after that came out with these scientists, he was uh, quoting saying the odds are about 50-50. Some other scientists reviewed the stunt and disagree slightly with Lucas. They say the chances of survival are more like not a fucking chance. Zero yeah. percent. <laughs> yeah, Zero percent. Overthinkingit.com uh, did a long article that I read. Uh, crushed under the shockwave, lethal acceleration, fatal whiplash, scorched by molten lead, scorched by incendiary air, incendiary air mm. suffocation, fallout, and lots more. Zero percent. Don't care. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. No problem with nuking the fridge, so we can cross that off the list of issues with this movie. I have a weird one, though, and I don't know how you feel about this. So I was watching it, and it took me ages to try and work out what my problem was. And I think it's because in all the other previous Indiana Jones movies, when he is on US soil, he is in professor mode. It's almost like his secret identity, like he's a superhero, like at home in the US, he's a professor. He's like Clark Kemp. And then abroad... When he's off doing his thing, treasure hunting, he's Indiana Jones, the superhero. And I think I found it very strange seeing him running around America in his hat and whip as opposed to dressed as a professor. Yeah. Not a problem with that. (laughs) Well, that's just me. Um, Also, you never want to see, uh, fact, your hero of an adventure movie, an action movie, being scrubbed down by... (laughs) Massive brooms for radiation. Well, no. Just, it, it makes sense. It's logic, no, but you don't need I disagree. to see it. I do. I disagree because I think it's fine when it happens in Guardians of the Galaxy to Star Lord when mm. he's going to jail. Fine, but no, not when, not, not, not now. Not, not. I don't want to be ageist, but no. <laughs> I just, I didn't need to see it. So let's meet Mutt. Mutt turns up. Um, Again, uh, like the fridge, uh, this scene I didn't love originally, but now I'm fine with. I think Mutt driving down the platform is okay. But I just wish he wasn't Marlon Brando. I just felt like that was too much. I, I never understood if he really is a greaser or not anyway, but I think I think making him exactly the same as Marlon Brando yeah. is just a bit, it's, again, it feels a bit off. That's uh, Lucas. It's it taking was, me out of the movie. Lucas was the one who said he has to like Marlon Brando. I think David Carp wanted to make him a nerd initially, like yeah. a real geek, and Lucas was like, no, he's got to be everything Indy hates, like uh, Indy was everything his dad hated. And you're like, 
I don't think he's hating him, but all right, fine. Got sort of uh, sort of weird quote from Spielberg. He says, uh, "When I saw him in Holes in 2003, I said he'd be perfect in an Indiana Jones movie," which is a really strange reaction to the film Holes. <laughs> It's a good movie, though. It's a good movie, but I didn't think indie. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, um, like I said, Mutt was a creation of Lucas and Catch Me If You Can Write, uh, Jeff Nathanson. Yeah, he is just Marlon Brando in the Royal one. Um, Darabont's script, no Mutt, way better for it. Um, but I will say this. I think Shia LaBeouf gets uh, at the shitty end of the stick with this movie in terms of what he's required to do, mm. what his character is. And I think it's unfair to criticise his performance because I think he does really, really well with what he's given to do in the film. I don't have a problem with him as much. No, I don't. I liked him at the time. I, I like him a bit less now, but I don't know if that's because of other stuff. I I, I, I agree with you. I think he did a good job. I think it it's very annoying, the, the, you know, the return to the, the, the knife and the comb and all that stuff. Every time, just hammering us over the head with it when it wasn't very interesting the first time. Yeah, yeah and also, the oh, like, I just, I mean, like, I love my motorbike. I love my motorbike. I love my motorbike. The first 20 minutes of this movie, stroking the motorbike, cleaning the motorbike, hiding the motorbike outside the graveyard in Peru. No payoff. No payoff That's to that true. motorcycle. It's like, wow. Uh, just wh what was that about? But this is the first, isn't it? Of, I think, of, if I'm right, three Harrison Ford movies where we returned to old characters and the plot ended up being about a young hero protagonist searching for this older legend to sort of save the day and fix everything. Because this that happens in Force Indy. Awakens. Yeah. Indie and yep. Blade Runner. Oh, they, yeah. all, they all followed the same <laughs> template, weirdly, with him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we get our big uh, classic Indiana Jones exposition dump, mm. uh, this time happening in a diner. Thoughts? So, it comes far too late. There's not there's not been enough action for a start, even though there has been quite a lot, but you're coming off the back of Last Crusade where it's just non-stop. Mm -hmm. The exposition dump where I'm waiting for it, but I feel like I've been waiting too long. And because we've got this distraction, two distractions, which is weird because the chalk talk thing that Chris Tilly has identified, they're stayed scenes. But you, like you said, there's so much going on in terms of what you're being told that it's absolutely fine. But with the other distractions of this sort of cute thing that Indy and Mutt have got between them where they clearly do have a father-son relationship where he's sort of chiding him. He says that you don't need to talk like that all the time to show you're tough or something mm. like that, which is like a fatherly thing to say. Plus, you've got this physical comedy, in quote marks, of Mutt like stealing a drink from the next table and a fight is brewing. All this stuff is going on and it's a shame because what he's telling him, it's like, finally, he's talking about his lost city. It's like, that's fucking mm. awesome. Exactly. Like That sounds brilliant. Like, can't wait to go there don't necessarily need all this other stuff going on and you're telegraphing this father son thing and I can't remember if I figured it out at the time I fucking Harper did because it's obviously like quite obvious but the characters don't know something you know and that is one of my biggest bugbears like yeah. I liked it I liked stuff happening while they were talking as I said in the last episode I, I prefer the exposition to be dumped on me while I'm seeing things happening as well also can I ask because I d missed it he says, he's like, my mum, my mum. And so Indy says, who's your mum? And does he say Mary Williams or so, Marion yeah. Williams? I think he says Mary Williams. All right, fine. Because yeah. then yeah. he says, there's a lot of them. And he's like, that's my mum. He's like, there's not, how many Marions do you actually know? Mm. But if he says Mary, yeah, then I think he does. Um, I, uh, I kind of, I, I like what's being said here. I just, Thank you. I just, it's a really good show. Well done, everyone. Uh, Mid-show review. You can read that out next <laughs> Mid-show review. Um, and we'll pick this up after the break. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, yeah, that exhibition dump, it just doesn't happen in the right location for me. That's supposed to be ominous. They're supposed to be like, oh, my God, that's terrifying. I can't wait to see it. It's like, you know, whether it's Donovan in his flat and it's like the the score and everything. In a brightly lit 50s diner, I'm like, this is, you know, no, wrong location. Wrong location. And we get a motorbike chase with some cool. This is a great Harrison Ford stunt where he gets dragged in one window, fights his way across the back seat, out of the other window, back mm. onto the motorcycle. Lovely business. Um, but then again... I, don't, I struggled with seeing Harrison Ford clinging onto Mutt on the back of a motorcycle. Yeah. He's fucking Indiana Jones. He rides the motorcycle. Mm. He doesn't have his hands round Mutt's waist going, whoa, this is going a bit fast. No, good point. <laughs> I, th- I think the two best action scenes are, are the first two ones, uh, this being the second. But uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's that's wrong, isn't it? It just it just doesn't sit right with me. Mm. Um, but then we get some good stuff. Indie problem solving. The Nazca lines, a real thing. Yes. Something to attach <laughs> weight to. This is real. Is this real? What's going on? The real world of archaeology. Indies adventures like the Ark and Raiders. Love it. So we're off to Peru. I will say this point. So far, I'm into this movie. I'm enjoying it a lot more. I'm At this board. point, I'm like, I think maybe I'm on I was board. Wrong. But like the Prairie Dogs slash Gophers, the, the end of the bike chase when he gives the lesson to the lad in yeah. the library, mm. it feels too broad. But it's, doesn't he say to him, if he wants to be an archaeologist, get out of the library? Yeah. But doesn't he say in the other films, yes, being yeah, an archaeologist is about being yeah, in the library? Yeah, it's a callback to that. It's a callback to that. Okay. But 
I just don't think he would say it in that situation. The Indiana Jones that we've watched before wouldn't hang around to so do something. So I think what they're doing here, which is they'll do when we get to the, the very worst part, which is dry sand versus quicksand, is he's trying, he's becoming his father. So there's a really blunt moment later where he does it, but we'll wait for that. But what he's doing mm. is he's becoming Henry Jones Sr. in the mm. way that he talks and the way that he is more considerate about certain things. But I'll leave okay. that there. Mm. So we're in Peru. We visit Ox's cell. Skulls engraved on the walls. Ominous. Enjoyed that. Setting the tone. Fear. I like that. Something scary in an Indiana Jones movie. When we get to it, am I going to be scared? Is it going to be melting Nazi faces, aging Nazis, whatever it is? It's going to be good. Uh, then they visit a ceremony, uh, cemetery, and we get some sort of, uh, I don't know, like... Who are they? Uh, uh, what do they want? Savages. <laughs> Which is bad. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. I know, that's what I mean. It's I read them of... called um, Kung Fu Aztecs mm. somewhere. I put graveyard ninjas, but that is not respectful <laughs> yeah. at all. Graveyard ninjas. Uh, yeah, and blowed up, blown back into the person's throat. Great. Yeah. An absolute steal from young Sherlock Holmes, which mm. is where that happens oh, as well. Yeah. Which Spielberg was involved in. <laughs> Thief. Uh, already done. Um, then we get uh, them entering the tomb. And again, this is what I love. The info about the Nazca Indians elongating their skull. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, true as well. I bet it is. Uh, 300 years before the Inca came along, uh, they were known as the Colagua, and they uh, used to... Uh, to use pieces of wood which were tightly bound to the heads of infants to modify how their heads grew. Awesome. And it was uh, it was a sign of community and their collective identity, so they all looked the same. Spanish bandit in the 16th century. Probably one of the good things the Spanish did. <laughs> uh, Francis de Oriana, real person, first person to navigate the entire length of the Amazon, looking for the city of gold. Again, I love this crossover in indie movies between the real... Just quick mm, colonial look, probably not the first person, but just the first per- the first Western person. Wikipedia said he was the first. Yeah, well, okay, but I'm just saying there may have been someone there that did it first, but no one found out about it over here. <laughs> right. Well. That's just your lesson in colonialism <laughs> for today. There's more as we carry on. <laughs> All right. Well, Wikipedia, I'll just prefix everything with Wikipedia said... <laughs> Francisco de Oriana was the first person. Uh, and the Amazon, do you know why the Amazon's called the Amazon? No. Jeff Bezos, isn't it? <laughs> he owns it all and he was the first person to discover it. <laughs> it says so on the Amazon homepage. Uh, no, Oriana uh, described it as uh, the river of the Amazons after he was attacked by a tribe where the women fought alongside the men and referred to the Amazons of Greek legend. Great. Uh-huh. Hot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be so distracted. You'd be like, oh my God, hello, babe. In- <laughs> you are Amazon Prime. <laughs> throw the door at you. Uh, right then. So uh, we're off into the Amazon rainforest. We finally meet Ox. The people have been bloody saying Ox throughout the movie. Ox this, Ox that. He's finally here. And yay, Ox was born in Leeds, England. I know. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. So John Hurt. Said Poor he, old John Hurt. He said he wouldn't just say yes to a Steven Spielberg movie. Mm. He needed to, to read the script and understand the character before agreeing to it, which makes me question John Hurt's sanity. <laughs> because if he read the script and understood the character, why the hell did he take this role? 
He's yeah. hopping around like an idiot. His it's actual quote is, uh, because Stephen, you know, God was doing it. And I said, well, I need to have a little bit of previous knowledge, even if God is doing it. So he asked for the script. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think the problem is that we all know what John Hurt is capable of. Yeah. And that voice and the enunciation yeah, the and majesty. the presence and yes. the gravitas. And you're like, why would you cast John Hurt in that role? I, I don't think any of the Brits come out of this film terribly well Jonesy <laughs> but Jim Broadbent doesn't as well you're so Agreed. pleased to see him and he's just this sort of hand-wringing sort of bit whingy he's a crap brody he's a crap brody and then even when he's holding a glass of booze where you think I would be like oh okay I get you now I'll get that as a character no it just feels weird mm. watching him do that I don't I don't know why yeah it's it's such a shame there's some exposition here that really is um, they've almost taken the worst exposition from Indiana Jones and done it again, which is Spolko basically mm. going on about why they need the skull to infiltrate the minds and take over the world. It's Molaram from Temple of Doom going, these stones will mean that uh, we take over the world and kill all other religions. And you're like, the problem with it is you sort of go, but it's never going to happen because it's an indie movie. So that's that. It's just it's just noise. Yeah, you're never going to be able to do that. So what I want is exposition that tells me about what I'm going to see coming up. Yes. and the inherent danger mm-hmm. of when we get to Akatur, yeah, as right. opposed to your fantastical world domination. You're plan. right. Yeah. Yep. So better point. Better point. Thanks, man. I appreciate the yeah, point based review system. <laughs> uh, so enter Marion Ravenwood, Woo! Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to just say this before you launch into whatever you have to say, which I undoubtedly agree with. The bit where it, it's possibly I should have picked it as my best moment, but I haven't. But the bit where he sees her, it's one of the greatest Harrison Ford acting moments where he just does that, like, can't believe it and giggles. Yeah, and it's, it's really so cute. so sweet. And he's like, <laughs> and he doesn't know what to yeah. do. It's absolutely lovely. And uh, saying, are you still leaving a trail of human wreckage behind or have you retired from that? Why, are you looking for a date? (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) It's nice. Uh, It's nice, Bance. It's just like, I just think she gets really like ill-served by all of it. Um, But particularly, am I allowed to talk about dry sand versus quick sand? Okay, so... There's point of this scene, they they briefly escape. The only point of this is to have the exposition that Mutt is uh, Indy's son, right? Mm. So... Marion's in the sand and at this point actually they're running through the jungle and Indiana Jones says something is intolerable which is what his dad used to say in Last Crusade so this scene is you're becoming your dad and you're about to find out that you're a dad right whatever but after so that's why he does the rundown of dry sand versus quicksand that's a very like Henry Jones senior thing to do not an Indiana Jones thing to do Mm. right anyway so Marion lovely Marion Maywood is like he's called Henry after his father or whatever and it's like that's Forrest Gump that's fine like that's what you do but then she just (laughs) he doesn't seem to get it so she's like he's your son (laughs) it's like that that's fucking rubbish there are a thousand Better ways. So I braced them a few better ways to do that. Great. So what if Mutt nearly gets killed and his dad has to save him, but he can't and he almost walks away and she says, you can't walk away. That's your son. Or he thinks that Mutt has betrayed him to the communists and she says he would never do that because he's your son. Mm. Rather than just going, as we're sinking in a, like craply mm. into this sand and don't even get me started on Grab the Snake. Grab the fucking snake. You, if you pulled a snake, it would split in two. Yeah, it would how be do you know? How it do would you know? Be, it would be horrible. How, how do you know? I don't think. And a also, snake... there's a moment later. They're doing that cute thing where they're in the truck, 
And again, like some top bants between them. And she's like, I bet there've been a lot of women. And he says something like, they all had one problem. You know where that's going. The script is perfect. Like, you know exactly what he's going to say. They weren't you. And the look on her face in front of her son as well, which is like pretty gross. She's like, oh. I know. (laughs) You see, the weird thing is, so... So I don't think she's underserved at the start. I think she comes out swinging, yeah, old yeah. Marion, yeah. uh, and I'm fine with that. And I think even though I'm not so mad, I mean, yeah, it's, it's bad scripting, but I'm not so mad about the stuff in the quicksand. It is it is that moment in the truck where and, and part of me buys into this movie and buys into that moment. And if it was any other character than Marion Ravenwood, like or yeah. there was, he hadn't literally walked out on her, yeah. uh, you know, but like days before the wedding. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's, it's a problem because it's, he delivers it so well. That it, you know, there was, a, they all had the same problem. They weren't you, honey. And you're like, it's proper indie shit. And yeah, her going, go, <laughs> he likes me. Skin. He likes me. And I think I like him. Awful business. Poor Marion Darabont's script, uh, unlike that at all. Um, she is great in it. Well, she's much more integrated into the plot. Mm. And she just, there's a moment later, do you remember when they're going over the waterfall and John Hurt is babbling about three, like a drop three times, a drop three times. And she's like, what could he possibly mean? It's like, what do you fucking think he means? You've just gone over a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the chase though. I will say this chase is very good. Uh, I like the way it starts. It reminds, Spielberg does this really good thing of shaking trees and, and like letting you know that something big is moving through <laughs> yeah. them. Like it's uh, in the lost world where the two T-Rex attack the thing and you see this cheese trees shaking at the start and you're like oh exciting and yeah the 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 big machine soaring through vehicles great machine gun firing back into marion's car like that bit i do actually like the bit where (laughs) indy lands in the trailer and ray winston goes jonesy and then gets punched in the face i really don't mind it i I don't even mind the sword fight uh, atop the moving jeeps Uh, yeah that i that's that's one of my major problems here okay is, is that you know, we've celebrated the stunts yeah. in the Indiana Jones movies. That's that they're about action, and then to have this sword fight happen that's so clearly not real. Mm. You know, it's so clearly their legs seem sort of animated as they're yeah. as they're doing stuff that's just impossible. The moment I'm completely taken out of the movie and no longer believe the action, I think you've got a real problem with Indiana well, Jones. Because it's mixed in with real stuff. The mm. real stuff looks awesome. The fake stuff looks fake as shit and shit. And this was a normal sword fight on the ground initially. Right. It, it, that's what they learned to begin with and then it evolved as they were prepping the film and I just think it and, it, and obviously with each pass, I mean, I don't think it looked great at the time with each passing month it looks worse and worse yes. that, that the, the the effects mm, I, I honestly I, I didn't I don't I could do without Mutt being hitting the balls with plants I'm like <laughs> boring <laughs> but I don't mind it what I do mind and uh, I'm just going to declare it uh, this is the moment uh, where the film passes the point of no return yeah, me for too. me uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm with it up until this point I've forgiven it its flaws the minute <laughs> Mutt starts swinging through the fucking trees with his band of helper monkeys, <laughs> is it, forget nuking the fridge. The phrase that should have been attached to this movie that always says when a movie's gone too far is swinging with monkeys. Mm. That movie's swinging with monkeys. It, it's the, combined, I think, with the sword fight. It, it it's, looks like a video game suddenly. Yeah. It no longer looks like a, a live action film. And 
It just doesn't make any sense either. It's like, so not only is he swinging with the monkeys, uh, defying physics, catching up with vehicles, forget all that. It's the fact that the monkeys are somehow like, we're with you, buddy. Yeah, he they're, commands monkeys. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, the Russians are the bad guys. Yeah. We will make sure it's just them we attack when yeah. we get to the oh, car. Sorry, we want to, you want us to jump on Cape Blanchett? <laughs> Absolutely not a problem. Because the swinging is in the Darabont script, but it's Ox and Indy swinging on vines and there's no monkeys. Right. That I couldn't get on board with. Mm. It's 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 these additions that they've made that are just it's just disastrous. So uh, you'll notice a change in tone uh, of my notes uh, from here on in. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, because how much wine did you drink? Uh, no, 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 not that. That I gave up on the movie. These are very brief uh, points. Fine. We've, so, we've been here a long time. Great. <laughs> uh, let's crack on then. Um, we get flesh-eating ants, CGI ants, yawn. Uh, <laughs> seen it with scarab beetles in The Mummy, itself an indie clone. What the fuck are you doing? Um, I don't actually mind the practical effects when the ants are squished, though. Yeah, I that's quite, quite nice. I, I like mm-hmm. goop. I'm a big fan of goop. Mm. Uh, and then if things can get any more awful, we get literally the... Oh, my God, that springy tree joke where Marion jumps the car off a cliff yeah. onto a tree, mm-hmm. which then lowers them into the river and then wangs back and knocks the Russians off the wall. It's, it's, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, like, it's that level of cartoon action. It's mm. awful, awful business. Um, uh, then if you weren't convinced uh, by this point that Jeopardy had literally left the building, they go over three waterfalls and survive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even work as a rule of three because even though the final waterfall is bigger, exactly the same thing happens. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, it's better than in the Darabont where they go down four waterfalls. Oh, <laughs> it's no, like, Frank. come on, Frank. Well, you basically vented the room. What are you doing? <laughs> um, then they get to Akatur. Uh, they go to a cave. There's some drawings on the wall that haven't been established as to anything to do with what we're supposed to expect. And then da 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 da, skull held up, silhouette. Oh, it really is aliens. Everyone knew it was aliens. We've seen two alien bodies at this point. That's true. Is this supposed to be like a big reveal that actually it really is aliens? Is this the bit where you remember when we did Ready Player One and I said it, my favorite bad line of all time was "You kill my mum's sister." I've changed my <laughs> mind because the best bad line I've ever heard is Ray Wins. And going, what a stupid legend! What a waste of my time! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even type it without like, what a stupid legend! It's so good. <laughs> I like but, that. But they wanted to make 1950s science fiction, and now it just feels tacked on at the end, where you could have made a science fiction Indiana Jones movie where it was integrated throughout the plot. But this mm. just it just feels like an afterthought, yeah. and it's so confused. I actually didn't really realise until this viewing that they weren't aliens. I hadn't really. They are aliens. Aliens. No, they're interdimensional beings. Oh my beings. god! Jesus Christ! They're the same thing. Well, apparently not. This is what the filmmakers <laughs> are arguing that they wanted to do something different, and it's just they I, look exactly like aliens. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm and just also saying they've got a flying saucer. Mm. No, it, that takes them. That doesn't. That doesn't. That takes them through the spaces between space. It doesn't don't take you them ever say that line again. <laughs> don't you ever say that line again. It's so again. funny because my worst line uh, is coming up really? in the in the whole series. <laughs> uh, right. Well, let's get to it then. So they go through a cave. There's a tribe sealed in the walls. Bloody stupid. How long have they been sealed in the walls? <laughs> Do they have snacks in there? Bollocks. I, I think they saw him coming and. Pat- 
pattern themselves up. But they, it's like whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They, I don't they, even know. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> you, trying to you, think about it. Do you know it. how hot it is in here? Right. Um, <laughs> they uh, realise they have to knock bricks off something to release sand. Where was the setup for this? Where's the problem solving? Where was like anything like Raiders of the um, Last Crusade, where you're like, mm. you know, you set it up. It's like. They, you know, we spend so long about Mutt's motorcycle. Why wasn't there some just like <laughs> twenty seconds where they go, yeah, when you how would we ever yep. open Akator? Like, and it's just like don't they haven't explained it, and there here we are. Um, apparently, the aliens are collectors or archaeologists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what? Wait, it means they're like indie. <laughs> but what? In what way? Uh, they are archaeologists. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> they but, I mean, um, but collect. What, but what's what's what, what? What do we learn from them being like indie? We don't learn anything from right, them because they I mean. don't speak. Unlike the Darabont script, where we actually learn. Uh, Mac triple crosses them. Indie, indie actually says, "So you're a triple agent, right? Fine, that's kind of an amusing joke. I've never been so insulted that the script has Mac then look back at him and actually say the line." No, when I said before that I was a double agent, that was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> who are you playing to there? <laughs> it's Mac. <laughs> Who's who is going? I need to. Sorry, I'm I'm a bit lost. Is he a, <laughs> is he a triple agent? That's no. that's a very brief chalk talk. <laughs> uh, a portal opens to another dimension. Have we skipped over the rubbish kiss? So. Marion and Indy got to have a kiss. You know when they fall into some water? You have been waiting yes. for a kiss because obviously, forgive the script and the rubbish sort of progression, but we're waiting for them to kiss and they fall into the water. And it, honestly, to me, it looked like the director would go, right, can you two kiss? And they were like, oh, fuck. Right, I actually want to like they are, I know they're older people but they can still be hot they look geriatric or they look like when you make kids kiss you know they make four years go on kid, go on have a little kiss well they don't they or, don't kiss when do they? you make kids no they don't kiss they don't kiss but it's it's the ultimate I keep saying this every week it's the not now moment that was not the moment for them to kiss <laughs> yeah. do it in the van when in the back of the van or but something but everything's like, happening I don't like, think Indiana Jones uh, or Marion would want to kiss in that split second you don't second. make kids kiss just, you know like <laughs> oh you heard that didn't you <laughs> yeah. I wondered when you'd come back but to that. Just like, you don't make kids kiss, Chris. You don't make them kiss. You don't make them kiss anyone they don't want to kiss. You're freaking me out, you two. But also, like, I love Karen Allen and I don't want to, like, put her down. But it's like, there's no act, like, even... God, this is rubbish, but she falls in the water and he catches her and they end up very close together and then they nearly kiss, but they don't. They honestly watch it again. They turn to each other and it's like someone's gone right now. And they're like, we don't, we really don't want to. So they don't. <laughs> Surely Mutt's cue is also now to intercept. Yeah, Mutt stops them, doesn't he? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we get a, a terrible CGI alien, awful, uh, a grey alien. I think Spielberg said, I want it to look like that. It's like, Why? We've seen that alien a billion times. It wants to give them a gift. Apparently, the gift is burning your eyes out. <laughs> Hell of a gift. Does the alien hate Kate Blanchett? Because it kind of creases its eyes at her like you're a badden. I don't know what the alien's meant to do, but what no. I can tell you is what Darabont had in his script. So mm. in Darabont's script, the alien actually speaks. There is a huge scene where this alien comes to life and starts explaining to them uh, that it will grant them each uh, a wish He's kind of like the djinn from the Wishmaster movies uh, where he basically grants them wishes that go wrong. Uh, But it's very good. Uh, So I'll read you a bit. This is up there for me with a Nazi face melt at the end of Raiders. So uh, Von Grauen, who's one of the uh, uh, the, uh, former Nazis who's on this, um, he wants uh, all the power in the world. And so... uh, 
The alien turns into Hitler's face. His smile becomes the toothy grimace of a leering demonic skull. Von Graun starts screaming as the Führer's ectoplasmic hand forms a vicious talon that reaches out, sinks into Von Graun's disgusting black heart and sucks the life force right out of him in a crunch of collapsing bones. Ooh, lovely. And then the other guy, this is Marion's uh, archaeologist husband, is now a Russian spy. He wants all the knowledge in the world. The vapour infuses Peter's body, streaming up his nose and mouth into his brain. Peter says, yes, yes, I see it all. My God, I know everything. And he screams as his head begins to swell, expanding far beyond its capacity. And the top of his head erupts as his life force is sucked out too. Brilliant. And then we've got the Peruvian president is also on this journey. Yeah, he's part of the crew. Uh, He uh, wants to be the most feared and deadly. Uh, the vapor infuses El Presidente, reshaping and shrinking him as he screams, sucking his life force right out through his pores until all that's left of him is a tiny black and red poison arrow frog that plops onto the stone floor in front of Indy and Marion. <laughs> as they're running out of the uh, temple, they actually step on the president of Peru cool. and kill the frog. It's really good. Well, it's explained. There's some logic. You can understand what's happening and why it's happening. Whereas here, it's all a bit. It's it's just so unclear. As you say, the alien has kind of twigged that, that Kate Blanchett isn't a good person mm. and so her face burns off. And that's all we really get. And it's like, that's not enough for the for the big climax with the big villain. But like Vicky says, it, does the alien hate her or not? Is I, I don't know if... I don't think it's clear that it does realise she's evil. Is it that the knowledge, this gift of knowledge, is just too much for her to comprehend herself? So it was always going to happen whether she was a good person or not. Yeah. In which case, the alien's gift is a fucking bullshit gift. Mm. So, well, it's confused. Harrison Ford certainly clocked that because he played Indiana Jones, but he didn't want him to be too much like Han Solo. And yet he still says here, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not good, is it? Uh yeah, it's terrible. Uh, the aliens leave. Uh, sorry, interdimensional beings leave. Uh, cue more bollocks. Where did they go? Space? No, not into space. Into the space between spell. Oh my God! Also, why did Mac? Why did Mac die? He just died. He tells Indy, I'm going to be all right. I'll be all right. <laughs> what? No, you <laughs> won't. You just, no, you You're won't. going to the space between space. Why, you know why are you letting go? He's, he's He's been set up as this incredibly selfish human being. Yeah. And then he just... Gives up. Yeah. I just don't. It's like, why? Yeah, it's. um, My only hope is that Mac is back in five. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tagline. (laughs) The return of the Mac. But it's not. It's not hard. He dies trying to grab gold. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not difficult to do that. But he's. It's all selfies. He's like, leave it. Come now. You need to come now. (laughs) Oh, but Chris, the treasure wasn't gold. It was knowledge. (laughs) No, it's longer than that. So I think this is the worst line in the series. Harrison Ford, in a journal, says the Uga word for gold translates as treasure, but their treasure wasn't gold. It was knowledge. Knowledge was their treasure. (laughs) Yeah, you just said that. You just said that. I'm tearing out my hair at this point if I had any. Anyway, in Darabont's script, they were aliens, but as their saucer goes to leave, it crashes and another mushroom cloud appears. A little callback to the first mushroom cloud, which probably ties together in some way. Yeah. But in this, uh, just a lot of water covers their footprints. Um, And then we get one of the worst, worst moments. If the film hadn't already become 
some sort of ungodly atrocity of indie verse. This happens. Mark wants to leave. And Indy says, why don't you stick around, Junior? And Mutt quite rightly goes, mm. I don't know. Why didn't you, Dad? Which is a very good fucking question. Mm. Yeah. And Indy just laughs. Yeah. And we're still, so Marion laughs. Yeah. They just laugh yeah. in his face. Like, because because <laughs> that, like, oh, bless him, because asking that, those questions. Because th- these last two entries in the series have kind of been about absent fathers. And they've, they've had it there without properly exploring it. Uh, it's, I think it was a really avenue, interesting avenue for them to go down. And you're absolutely right to laugh off this thing that actually is yep. is starting to give the character and the story some depth, which you need after four movies. As Indiana Jones, he wants Marion to sit with him, and he pats his knee. <laughs> He's really All old. the time, I've not been attracted to him. It's like, did you just pat your knee for me to sit with you? She's like, oh, bunch up. Because I, I like there is this tension there that they they've introduced about he sacrificed happiness and a home life and a family for adventure for, for archaeology yeah. and the ending of Last Crusade which I liked was him going off to sunset continuing he's found family but he's actually going on with adventure here he changed his mind and also because they I- get out of it because the, the thing is I didn't know she was pregnant <clears throat> and then you know she, she got with Colin and then it was too late and Colin was a good father so that absolves him of responsibility but if you're going to go down that route which they should he should have known she was pregnant and he still should have walked away and then mm. they can have a big do about that but they want to they want to make him a hero and then they laugh in the they both laugh in the face of their son asking a very pertinent and fair enough question I should say in the Darabont script Indy is part of this wish cloud it's like they're all suspended off the ground when the Nazi gets to mm. the proving present and Indy does wish uh, this is what Chris was saying earlier yeah. like he wishes to be back his fortune and glory is Marion so he wants her back at the end but how about this for that sequence where um, Indy says to Mark he goes why don't you just stick why don't you stick around Junior why is the line there not Mutt looking back at him and going, don't call me Junior? Yeah. Yes. Like oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, oh it's my staring God. you in the face. It's right there. It's like, what's going on? But, but that would have given the last line to Shire rather than Ford. I wonder if that was why. Because it's so perfect. Mm. You're right. Well, on that note, obviously, we get to the wedding. Ugh. And, I mean, you talk about uh, Indy, Ford getting the last line. And I talk about Shia LaBeouf being shortchanged in this movie. What a kick in the teeth it is yeah. to be set up as the person to continue Indy's adventures and, you know, the, the new Indiana Jones and then have Harrison Ford snatch the hat from you as he walks out. I don't mind it. It's, I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's a good gag. The trouble is the way the wind blows up. First of all, another rubbish kiss when they get married again. Not hot. Could be hot. Isn't. The wind blows open the door and it's like that wind, in terms of film languages, the enemy has returned. Yeah, That's yeah, what the it? wind is. Yeah. And all it, it's literally just wind, actually. No, it's not an enemy. It's actual wind mm. and it's stolen the hat. But is that not is the wind not adventure calling him? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. I see that now. Yeah. Mm. I think it might have been. Yeah. But I but I but I, I don't mind this ending of him picking home, having having picked adventure in the last film, he's picked home at the end of this one. Which makes me annoyed that there's going to be a fifth one now because again you've 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 ended his story. We don't yeah. need to continue this now. Ended it twice as well. Um, yeah, the hat thing doesn't work though because if he's picked home and Shire is young, Mutt is young, he should be the one getting out. Yeah. It genuinely feels to me like uh, at the eleventh hour, Ford has gone. 
you know, I might have another of these in me. So yeah. uh, we're going to reverse that hat gag and I'm going to take it off you. So don't even think about it. Which is a on. huge change because obviously if you end with him walking down the aisle and he's stolen the hat back and he's like only joking kind of thing, I'm going home with my wife yes! and hands the hat back. Yeah. Perfect. But that is a huge note to end on because obviously you're setting up. Well, you don't have to have the same actor, but you're setting up as son uh, as the continuation. So I know it's just what is much, what is much arc. Yeah. In this, then what? What is what? Is, Meets like, his dad. Dad's a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, that's it. Loses his mum to his dad. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> no, he, he's gonna go. He's gonna go to school now, isn't he? Oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, right then. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean. We've said everything we've said. Um, <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> Those are words. That's how a podcast works. <laughs> yeah, uh, you okay. Either way, I'm very hot. Either way, uh, that is the highest grossing indie movie of all time. Uh, uh, but is that just for inflation? I couldn't I'm be bothered sure to work true. it out. I didn't use my calculator. Uh, Let's say yes. 700 million. Uh, Jesus Christ. And the reviews at the time, and sort of still, or the historic reviews anyway, so I've got over 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, so... It's its legacy is uh, not as good. Though. No, People if you look at the audience, if you look at the audience ratings anywhere, they're not good. Mm. Um, Fallout is interesting. So I'm not the only one that fell out with Shia LaBeouf over this. Um, uh, he have you got? Do you want to? Yeah, I was sort. Of, I was in two minds about doing it because, but yeah, I mean, he did say at the again back in Cannes. Doesn't have a great time at Cannes. <laughs> Upset Tilly. And now this uh, told the Los Angeles Times in 2010 uh, that he uh, had dropped the ball on the legacy that people loved and cherished. Um, which then brought Harrison Ford out in 2011 in response to what Shire said about them dropping the ball on the legacy that people loved and cherished. Harrison Ford said, I think I told LaBeouf he was a fucking idiot. As an actor, I think it's my obligation to support the film without making a complete ass of myself. Which is what I wish I'd said during my, <laughs> during my interview. But it goes on. So LaBeouf later has said he regretted his comments and the effect that they had on his relationship with Spielberg. Mm. And this is, somehow this is my least favourite of all the quotes, which is Spielberg said to him, he told me there's a time to be a human being and have an opinion and there's a time to sell cars. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> What a quote. Oh, man. Harsh but fair, though. I think you should support a film, especially initially, because you aren't the only person that's working on that film. You're one of the richest people, but there's 200 other people. True. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're screwing them over by saying, oh, what we've just made is crap. So unfortunately, you have to toe the line, I think, initially, at least. Yeah. Unfortunately. Should we do the bits? Um, I, will, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. So Indiana Jones 5 is shooting right now. And they're shooting at a place called Bamba Castle in Northumberland in the northeast. And I'm wondering if that, could be the Scottish castle yeah. from the beginning of the Christopher Columbus script, mm -hmm. which I've read, uh, and I did not like this sequence. So it starts with Indy fishing, um, and he's asked to investigate a haunted castle, which feels quite Scooby-Doo initially. <laughs> um, I know, can you stop saying haunted castle? Because it's making me want to see it less and less. And then he fights, within the castle, he fights some ghostly suits of armour, which felt quite... Bedknobs and broomsticks to me. Uh, some giant mastiffs try to kill him, which feel really hand of the Baskervilles. And then a ghostly baron called Seamus Seagrove III is eating his dinner while all this is happening, which just seems fucking silly. Wait, it just, wait. It, Did you say ghost? Look mm. at Vicky's yeah. eyes. <laughs> what? A ghost? 
So yeah, he has to defeat this ghost. He has to um, bust so, him. Yeah, <laughs> he has to bust mm. the ghost. So they, uh, that might not be what they're shooting at the moment, but oh, because everything seems to come around from these scripts, I've, I have a feeling we might see this sequence. So it's going to be a ghost. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Sign me up. It'll be interesting what they've learned from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And... Yeah, but they've got so much cockiness about everything that they probably learnt nothing do you know what I mean like I know a lot of it is front because you like you say you don't want to throw your movie under the bus but to, oh, I don't know these are the, you know the most well known highest paid people in the world and that is what they turned out last time and I, I just don't see you must be so inured to it and so in a bubble that you actually don't learn a single thing uh, equally I'm trying not to be ageist about this but I realised I didn't want to see a 65 year old Indiana Jones and I don't think I want to see a 75 year old Indiana Jones I like I like the young guy from the first three movies yeah. I think I think we should move on the only thing that's got going for it potentially is we've got new blood he's a new writer director yeah um he might bring something new to this yeah and it might you know who knows it might not be indie Harrison Ford doing all the legwork. It might be someone else. I he saw, might be I really more statesman. I, really I can't think of it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There's a way of doing it where you still get your hero, but you don't put him through the things that you mm. got in the first three with the, the romance and the action. There's a way of doing it where you still get what you want from him. I just can't figure it out. Yeah. Maybe they've recast his son, because uh, I can't imagine Shia coming back. <laughs> as, and... as a woman, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Great, Ma- well, Mads Mickelson's in it, so maybe... Maybe he just is Indiana Jones. Love Mads Mickelson. That's great. Uh, right then, uh, shall we do the bits now? Yes. Best scene, Victoria. Oh, see, this is really hard. So, and you, because you slagged it off, but I really struggled to think of something that I liked, but I did like it when that man gets ants in his mouth. <laughs> 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 because I just found it scary. And like, it come out through his eyes and shit like that. So, uh, that's what I'm picking. I know how shit that is. I'm sorry. CGI nonsense. I know, I know, I know. Seen it. That's fine. You can have it. Thank you. I did have when Marion shows up, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like it just reminds me of a better film. Yes. So that's a negative. So I'm going to say the warehouse sequence. I mean, it's Slim Pickens. The jungle chase before the monkeys and the swinging is what I've got. I don't mind that. I think there's a lot going on. There's a lot of funny jokes and there's a lot of action. So fair enough. Uh, MVW, Chris. Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. My turn to say it. <laughs> Having just said I don't want to see a 65-year-old indie. Yep. I think he does a really good job. Uh, and on the extra, Spielberg says that the most important aspect of the entire series was casting him. And I think he's just, I think he's great. I just don't want to see him doing it at this age. But it's my turn to say him, so Harrison Ford. Okay, Victoria. Kate Blanchett. Wow. I think she embodies the spirit of what this might have started life as. And she doesn't blink. And to be fair to her, she goes for it. And it, it it just about works. And I hate it when I pick a female character and comment on their appearance because that's jarring. But that jumpsuit and that hair are entrancing in their own way. I don't mind the accent. I like her. I think, she, I think her character's all over the place, but that's not on her. So Do not tell me you are afraid. <laughs> there's, a bit, there's a bit where. She's so good. The script, again, all it's just so clearly set up for the dialogue payoff. But it, Harrison Ford says to her, like... Uh, you might get what you wish for. And the way she says, I usually do, it's like fucking awesome. Like, it's brilliant. But- oh, she's good. Yeah, I know. I think I, the accent thing's funny, but yeah, she's good in it. She's good. Mine is um, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, 
Do I want Mutt in there? No. <laughs> uh, does he get the shitty end of the stick? Yes. Uh, does he do his best with that character? Absolutely. Um, uh, and I can't give it to Karen Allen as much as I want to because um, of what they've done to that poor character of Marion Ravenwood. Change, Victoria. Let's just sort out the romance like uh, between Marion and Indy. They are older, but that doesn't mean it can't be hot. Like A lot of people... Do fancy the shit out of Indiana Jones for very obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, if I'm picking Temple of Doom, really, because there's a lot of time he's got half a shirt on, mm. and that is very welcome. But the way he is, I mean, the, the, some of his interactions with women are extremely questionable. But the overarching thing of like super, gl- uh, almost glamorous, but sort of swashbuckling romance, and there's none of that in this. That shitty <laughs> geriatric half kiss that they have in that pond is fucking awful, and it really annoyed me. And even the wedding kiss is rubbish. There's just, there's so many ways of doing it. Like, it, it looks like they hate each other and I don't think they do. So, that's okay. it. I thought, I thought Imp- they loved each other. Improve the romance, Chris. Yeah, but it's not sexy. It needs to be sexy. Okay. You, need, you need to be more romantic, Chris. Then you um, if I contradicted myself with my MVW, as I think I just might have, should, should my change be Harrison Ford be 20 years younger? I guess so, yeah. You can't have that. You're going to have to think of something else. Okay. Um. So, the CG sword fight... Monkeys, that the, just the the CG stuff. Now I understand why they did it. I think there's probably a couple of reasons. One, it brings the cost of the film down, and two, I think it's a lot safer for the actors to do these CG stunts rather than the real life stunts when yeah. in the action. But I really genuinely feel like it goes against the spirit of the movies, and that more than aliens, more than refrigerators, more than anything, took me out of the film. So get back to those practical stunts. It's good. Uh, so I got a few. Uh, if aliens have to be in it, then make them better and not a stupid cameo at the end. Lose Mutt if he's only there to have people roll their eyes at him and then not even get the fucking hat at the end. Make Marion <laughs> Marion. No fucking swinging monkeys. Ultimately make a better movie. Mm. If not that, make the Darabont script. Or just don't fucking make it. Last Crusade was fine. <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> right then. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Oh, it sort of feels a bit of a shame to be doing the verdict after that movie because you know I, this is a big moment. Yeah. And I, let's, uh, let's yeah, I will. Woo! I will say now it didn't change my mind <laughs> going through it. Yeah. All right, jazz hands. Let's do this. Okay, okay. big moment. Yeah, I, mean, I want to be excited for this. This yeah, is a yeah, big right. moment. Well, I just don't want to. Like, I don't want to feel all down because of that atrocious movie. All that... right, team meeting. Everybody, just up, up, up. Energy up. All right, all right, all right, 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 right. Bit right, of a right, palate right. cleanser. Okay. Well, I was going to. I feel like we should show our working after all this time. Okay, right, let's do it. I've so only this... got my working for the winner. Is that okay? Sure, yeah, okay, sure. Great. This is my working. Raiders is that perfect combination of laughs and thrills. Rewatching it felt like pure joy being injected into my veins. Plus, it passes my test of a great blockbuster needing a great villain, as it's got two of them. Mm. Temple of Doom makes more sense to me when I remember it's a prequel. And it's the film that takes the most risks, but it's just weird in context of the other films. A horror film where Indy doesn't do archaeology. Last Crusade recaptures the joy. The addition of his dad gives the character depth for the first time. While Elsa is a great villain, for me, Donovan is bland and forgettable. I know you guys disagree with that. Mm. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls has lots of problems, but... I've said the biggest crime, that CG stuff, it just doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie and it all falls apart. Mm. Uh, plus, it uses the word the twice in the title. That's oh, yeah. unforgivable. You're right. Unforgivable. Is it not just Indiana Jones? Oh, it, oh yeah, it is. It's unforgivable. It's just, yeah. So that's my thinking. Uh, shall I do my four then? Yeah, do it, do it. So Crystal Skull, worst. Temple of Doom, third. Wow. Uh, and this was much closer than I was expecting. Um, but my second is Last Crusade. Wow. 
Uh, and for being the temple against which all all action adventure movies are measured, even 40 years on, that's why I'm picking Raiders as my number one. Okay, I'll go next. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't have as big a working out. I think it's kind of fairly obvious. Uh, Kingdom is just the worst. Uh, Temple of Doom. I'll, I'll be honest, I really did not enjoy it this time around. Um, uh, uh, not at all. Apart from a few pangs of nostalgia, this was not a fun movie uh, for me to watch. Um, I actually, I mean, it's indie and, you know, it's indie and there's so much history there for me personally, but I, it wasn't a, pl- as a pleasurable movie watching experience. And so we get to the big question. It's between two movies, mm. Raiders and Last Crusade. Uh and uh, I agree with Chris. This was so, so hard to do. Raiders is phenomenal. And it has all the nostalgia buttons that Temple does uh, for me, but wrapped up in a much more enjoyable film. I'll never forget the first time I saw the face-melting Nazis. I'll never forget the first time I saw Marion drinking shots in a bar. And consequently, now I always turn my shot glass upside down. Marion Ravenwood is a brilliant character. It's all steeped in this terrifying real-world arc. But my winner is Last Crusade. Last Crusade is my favourite movie. I just, it's the first indie movie I saw at the cinema. And uh, Sean Connery uh, is the relationship that he has with Indiana Jones. Uh, it just lifts it above Raiders for me. It feels like we're getting a much more um, dense view of Indy's life and his upbringing and his story. And it feels like Raiders was this guy who we went on this journey with, but I didn't know him really, by the end, whereas I get the same guy in Last Crusade, but I get to know who he is and why he is. So it's Last Crusade is my winner. So it means that Raiders and Last Crusade are both on seven points, according to my sums. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Way to take the fun out of it. What? <laughs> we, we need to declare a winner. To know, so we just... need to declare a winner. <laughs> well, it's going to be, I'm imagining, and I don't want to, It's Vicky is going to pick Raiders or Last Crusade because I believe she is. Yes. Oh, well, I will say this. I did two verdicts. Child Me would have gone. Whoa. Okay, so this isn't the valid this one. This isn't the valid one, okay. but Child Me absolutely would have gone, and, and I watched them when I was a child, would have gone two, three, one. 100%. I love two. Temple of, two, three, one, four didn't exist. Yeah. As in what, so what's the winner? Child Me, Temple of Doom. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so one, three, two. Child Me, Temple of Doom is the best. Last Crusade is second best. Okay. Mm. Raiders is weirdly just because, I don't know, mm. just a lot of the themes went over my head and Temple of Doom is just loads of fun. Mm. Grown up me. Here we go. Okay, so obviously it's pretty basic to say that Indiana Jones is at his best a combination of action and puzzles. Okay? So yeah. Raiders, a bit of puzzling with the medallion, and Temple is being chased about. But three. Three perfectly synthesizes both and sweetens the deal with the father-son relationship, which is apt and powerful without being overdone. They don't really talk about their mother. They don't have to. Um, a good female villain is the one I quote most often. Choose wisely. I can reach it. And so the order is four, two, one, three. Yay! <laughs> woo! I mean, I'd have been happy with Raiders, but woo! Last Crusade! Is the winner, Chris? You doing the maths? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, because you did him in the wrong order. It's very confusing for me here. My winner. <laughs> I'm trying to work out the points. The winner, my best one, Last Crusade. Second best, Raiders. Third best, Temple. Fourth best, Crystal Skull. Chris is doing some uh, working I've, out. I've, this I've, is so boring. <laughs> what are you doing? It doesn't matter. It what doesn't are matter. you doing? 
<laughs> Are you trying to... I mean, it's pretty simple. We've been planning this for about six months. Yeah, and then you do it in the wrong order twice. It's the wrong order. <laughs> we said reverse order. Right, four, two, one, three. It doesn't matter. I, don't, is, I don't care anymore. This is Kingdom of the Crystal Alex, Skull. This you, is the legacy. You say, you say what order they ended so, up in. So, this is the order they ended up in, according to us. The worst Indiana Jones movie in fourth place is obviously Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. In third place, which is going to rile a few people, because I know it's a lot of people's favourites on Twitter, but Temple of Doom is in third place. That puts the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, in second place. But as far as Clash of the Tartars, and therefore fact, as far as Clash of the Tartars, <laughs> but definitely fact, is concerned, the greatest Indiana Jones movie of all time is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, can I add just a little addendum <laughs> of course. about my, my pick was Raiders. And you know what? Indy believes his item should be in a museum. And I think rather fittingly, Raiders actually is. As in 1999, the United States Library of Congress selected the film to be preserved in the National Film Registry. So everyone has a happy ending. Everyone has a happy ending, especially Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which won. <laughs> well, this is better than the Library of Congress, let's be honest. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I read that review. Uh, right, that is us done for this week. A huge congratulations to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. What do you think of that verdict? Once again, Last Crusade is top, then Raiders, then Temple, then Kingdom. Get on Twitter, at ClashPod, and let us know your thoughts. Imagine there's a few angry Raiders fans, but Last Crusade is the winner. That is us done for this week. So next week, I gave you a clue of... On Tuesday, we are taking... It feels like we've done a lot of research. It's Monday. We, we always go on a Monday. Thank you, Monday. Uh, <laughs> it's been very dense the last uh, two <laughs> weeks with a lot of indie stuff, so we're taking a little bit of a breather. The clue I gave you on Monday was too much TV is bad for your health. Chris, you are doing The Cable Guy. Victoria, you are doing Stay Tuned. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever think the day would come when I said you were doing Stay Tuned Thank God. on this I'm, podcast? I'm just excited as I can't wait to watch Stay Tuned in high definition. <laughs> so the cable guy's available for free on Netflix. Well, if you've, got a, free. Ne- yeah, if you've got a Netflix subscription, it's on there. Um, Amazon Prime is the only place that you can rent Stay Tuned. And as Chris pointed out, they don't really seem to care about that movie as much as me. Uh, so it is only available in standard definition. So enjoy that on your big TV. Uh, right if you haven't already please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify wherever you get your pods follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod we are back on Monday talking stay tuned congratulations Indiana Jones and the last crusade bye bye this was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know Cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain. I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.